to Andrew. We're gonna give a shot of that jingle again. All right, let's try it. Let's see if we still a got one, it. A one, a two, a one, two, two, three, four. T to G to I to F to T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. T to G to I to F to T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first Friday. Welcome to TGIF. F. Nice, he still got it. So we are here. My name is Brother Luke Rowicki. My name is Brother Andrew Tory. And we've got an awesome episode for you today. Very awesome. That was our jingle. And now, Brother Andrew, before we get going here, that's right. Can you introduce this third person who's a special guest here at the podcast? Special guest at our podcast first today. First time for TGIF. F, exactly. Very first time special guest to celebrate the solemnity of all saints. We've got. Saint in the making, Brother Eric Benjamin Burkell. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Welcome. Yes, I feel welcomed. This is Brother Eric from South Mississippi. South Good Mississippi. to be here. That's Thanks for the invite. And Benjamin is your middle name? Is it your middle name? Benjamin is not my middle name. Oh, <laughs> man. We I, almost had it. I do have an Israelite middle name, being David. So David. You're not far off. Eric, Eric yeah. David Burkell. Okay, well, good. Well, Brother Eric, as Brother Luke and I know, of course, wink, wink, Brother Luke, <laughs> Brother Eric was just at the Synod on the Amazon. Yes, so he, was. he was a special guest at the Synod, and he was with the Pope, Pope Francis. And he's going to tell us about his, his experience there, being in the Synod behind the scenes with the bishops. And it's gonna, that's, that's the meat and potatoes of today's episode. But before we get into the meat and potatoes and dig in, that's right. hold that fork and knife. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I wanted to say got him ready. happy birthday to my little sister, oh. who today... Oh. Turns a certain age that I'm not going to say. Oh. Because it is not politically correct. Oh, come on. <laughs> women, sh- women should be happy to, no. to be however old they are. That's what I, I'm 28. Yeah. I'm happy to be 28. And he's got a great new haircut. That's right. And, uh, Brother Luke always likes clipping it a little too close. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, happy birthday, Madeline, my little sister. Happy birthday. And on that note, so today's Mass, we had uh, All Saints Day, very beautiful yeah, Mass today. big day. With our new song chant director, Brother Andrew. Oh, yours truly. And so, That's right. Andrew, you've done some cool changes, uh, and why all the prep work? So, yeah, yeah, great yeah, great question. This And it's been a, a big change in my life in the seminary this, this pa- these past month or so, because I've been asked <laughs> to, to sort of overhaul well, not overhaul, to take over the, <laughs> yeah, no, no revolution here, but to, exactly to, to help out with the songs in the chapel. So, so yeah, that's been my, that's been my life uh, the past uh, two months or so. And it's a big change. It's something I didn't think that would happen, but it, it did. And so I'm basically in charge of setting all the songs for every mass at the chapel and, and uh, making the brothers enthusiastic to sing. So that's, that's my big job. My big job is being motivation, motiv- motivational, song director and that's my that's my job and i don't want to interrupt but he learned portuguese oh yeah to help us with well i mean come on this brazilian song i mean i learned how to pronounce some things but but yeah we had so the back of the background story to that is in our seminary we have a lot of we have a fair number of brazilians but the song repertoire in portuguese was limited to four there were four songs for the past (laughs) i don't know how many years maybe five six seven years we only had four songs in portuguese so my first priority was we're gonna we're gonna increase that by fifty percent. So we added two new songs. <laughs> That's why we vote for you, Andrew. Exactly. So we get we get things done. So so yeah, but so it's fun. My 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 priorities as um, as guy in charge of songs is 
to help the brothers learn harmonies for the songs, like a you know like a second voice when you hear a, you a the taste? melody going on. Okay. Uh, oh God, beyond the praising. Well, actually, we I don't. Do you remember the harmony for that one? Okay, this is not coming out well. Oh, man. well we should, you know what we should sing? We should do As I Kneel Before You. Okay. That was what we learned. You do the high part, I'll do the low part. Ready? I'll do the melody, okay? As I kneel before you, as I bow my head in prayer, take this day, make it yours, and fill me with your love. That's good for now. Yeah, that's pretty good taste. So, so that's the idea behind the songs in the chapel, is putting harmonies in, and then, like we said with the Portuguese, learning a, a few new things. So I said to myself, Brother Andrew, you're doing this work for the community, so what's, what, what are you, you going to learn from this? Because you know everybody here has a job in the seminary, right? There's people in charge of the kitchen, there's people who sew cassocks that get torn, there are people who clean the hallways, people who uh, help brothers get their visas and passports and everything. Brother Eric, what, what do you do? Yeah, what, what is your... Uh, I'm helping clean the reception area. Yeah, so we give a good impression to our guests. Love exactly. That. And Brother yeah. Luke, what also is your important. what is your main cutting hair? Cutting hair. Twenty four seven. Cutting too much hair on some people. That's <laughs> right. So well, I've got a haircut tomorrow. Oh, no, okay. Monday. Actually. Okay. Looking forward to it. Oh is, yeah. Is Brother, to talk is about brother Luke your sti- <laughs> your stylist? Brother Luke. Yes. Brother Luke is I wouldn't stylist. go to oh, any other barber. barber. Very good. I'm a barber. <laughs> so we all have our jobs, right? And um, it's something that I, need, that I need to reflect on. Like, what am I going to take out? What is what is God? What am, what is God telling me through this this job that He's entrusted to me um, through my superiors? And what what can I learn through serving the community? And one, like the dunque, right? We've uh, we don't just do we dunque. So what right. so what's the lesson that I'm that I'm taking out of this? Something I need to reflect on. But I think, for me, we have a lot of work to do in life, right? We've Right. Uh, and we were, we're what, 28, 29, 30? Brother Eric just turned 30 last week, oh, right? Happy that's birthday, right. Brother Eric. That's, that's right. True. That's right. 24th. That's right. Thank you. On the 20, on November, on, that's right. On October 24th. Speaking so, of life changers. Yeah. So we all, have, we all have a lot of work in life to do, and we can't just, we can't just do it. We have, to, we, have to go through, um, we have to go through our work and, and perceive uh, what we can learn from it, what, what God and what other people can teach us. And one thing that I'm learning as in charge of the songs, is, is that whenever you have a goal in mind and whenever your eyes are set on the prize, you just got to keep going. You're going to get, you're, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be people who say, oh, this is too difficult. There's going to be people who don't, who are, who can discourage you. There's going to be people who shoot you down. There's going to be moments where you're tired. There's going to be moments where something unforeseen happens and it messes you up. You just got to keep going. Just keep going and, and be enthusiastic and, and do your best to and ha, ha, be pure in your intention. Like, like, like for me, one thing that I, that I really want is it's just about, it's about giving glory to God through music. And it's encouraging the brothers. Um, you know, they're all, they, I know I have to get up at the altar there and, you know, like my, moving my hand, you know, like I know what I'm doing. You know, I have to give that impression. And so, but the brothers are always, you know, looking at me, looking at my face. And I have to communicate with my expressions, my facial expressions, I have to communicate, um, you know, enthusiasm and a desire to sing. So if something comes out, you know, badly in the song, like if I put, a, like put on like a, like a sourpuss lemon Lenten face, 
at 6.05 in the morning. Exactly. How, how many people am I going to attract with that? And they're, they're all going to be like, oh, man, you know, he doesn't look, you know, gee whiz. I don't want to be part of his team. Well, Andrew, if it helps to take a little bit of pressure off you as well, yeah, I should also be motivated by what you're saying. I should be trying to sing for the glory of God and not just to make Brother Andrew happy. Exactly. Right? Oh, totally. Yeah. So even if one day you wake up with a sore throat and you put on that sour look, yeah, long face. Exactly. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that's Brother true. Eric and I and all of us brothers are going to be We're trying there. to sing yeah. for the glory of God. Yeah, that's for him. That's for him. Yeah. Yep, exactly. That's right. So that's that's kind of like what I'm what I'm trying to extract out of this, like purifying my intention, doing it for God's glory, and, and making people enthusiastic. So that's that's what I'm trying to get out of it. But um, brother Luke, you were you just had a really cool experience, right? Didn't you? You were just went, you were in Spain and then in England. What's, what's first time? What's that in about? Spain, second time in England, but first time actually being in England because I had a long layover once. Yeah, and got to see all in two hours Westminster Cathedral, Westminster Abbey, which are two different things. Okay. Uh, okay. Buckingham Palace. Wow. Big Ben. Oh my gosh. And Parliament. In two hours. In two hours. But that, that, that was wow. a previous trip, Buckingham right? Palace is like a bonus on my uh-huh. taxi ride back to the airport. Oh. The taxi driver's like, oh, by the way, that's Buckingham Palace. <laughs> pretty amazing. Check it off the list. That's amazing. So, but I went with my parents. Okay. My parents came to visit. My dad retired in June after many years oh. of working at Chevron. Another that's life great. changer. My dad also worked yes. for Chevron, by the way. Which is, yeah, that's crazy really coincidence. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so they came to visit me. We had three days in Barcelona. And so we traveled around a little bit as well. And then three days in England. I loved Spain. Okay. Uh, I need. I want to go back. But one of the highlights for me in Barcelona was uh, going with uh, another legionnaire priest who's there at our legionnaire community in Barcelona. Okay. Father Peter Mullen. Ah, yeah. And great. And he drove great us man. to two spots which are very near and dear to all of us because we just did our 30-day spiritual exercises, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. we talked about last episode, the 30-day date. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, and so Manresa is a little cave, maybe an hour outside of Barcelona where St. Ignatius spent a year of his life writing that 30-day retreat Okay. that yeah. we all spent our last, uh-huh. this past summer, okay. using to guide us through the 30 days of experiencing God. And I was able to go into that cave, that same cave wow. that he was in 500 years ago about. What a privilege. Uh, and especially just, it was a month or two after our retreat, and you felt God's presence. Uh-huh. And just inspired to think, this is where St. Ignatius had all those life-changing contemplations mm-hmm. himself that he then wanted to share with the world, and so he wrote them down, and the beginning of the Jesuits was the, preaching that, those 30-day retreats. Uh-huh. Uh, it was incredible. Wow. And then another highlight, we also got to visit Montserrat, where St. Ignatius laid down his sword at the feet of this uh, very old, ancient Marian statue. Mm-hmm. Another highlight, though, was Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. Have either of you all been to... I, I have, yeah. No, never been to Spain. Yeah, one day, one day, Brother Eric. So what was your impression of... Sagrada Familia. Uh, Sagrada Familia is so unique. It's not like a typical cathedral or church that you see in Europe. It's mm. it's really unique. And uh, my impression was that it was like, I think uh, the, the guide told us, it's like the, the columns of the church are like trees. Yes. And and the windows, tell me about the windows. So I'm going to tell you about the trees, actually. Okay, all right, well. And then you can tell about yeah, the windows. How are okay. They like trees? <laughs> okay, yeah, well, tell us. So tell you, yeah. you walk in, the, the, tr- the church on the outside is just crazy. There's all these these the normal symbols like you have Jesus, Mary, Joseph because it's got a familia. Yeah. You have the stories of the nativity and the three kings on right. one side. You have the story of, of the passion on the other facade. So that's all pretty. I mean, it's done in its own very unique way, but it's pretty normal. But then you have these baskets of fruit, and you have these crazy colored, abstract shapes coming out of these uh-huh. beautiful pillars. Wow. But all that has symbolism. 
Hmm. And people had told us, oh, when you get inside the church, I don't expect too much because there's no saint statues. There's no. So I was thinking, oh, well, inside's going to be kind of boring. Yeah. And it's a total opposite. Really? If out, you thought wow. outside was spectacular, mm-hmm. inside will mm-hmm. blow your mind. Yeah. yeah. And heart and soul and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so you That's walk true. in. Lots of color. And, and the audio guide yeah. helps you a ton. So if you go, use the audio guide. Okay. Okay. Um, but you walk in and it says that Gaudio is very inspired by nature. And so you see that on the outside. But inside, mm-hmm. you have these uh, super tall columns that he says are like trees. So you notice it that at the top, as they enter the roof, they branch out. Okay. Mm. And then when they hit the roof, it's not like they just hit a wall and you see like where the branch ends, but it, the roof sort of like collects them. So the like, okay. like, roof is like a cloud almost. Oh. And these branches from these columns like go through the clouds. Oh, so you don't see where the tree ends. And it's a beautiful image of how like in, you know, God's creation speaks of God uh-huh. and tells us about God, right? So when you walk into this church, more You're about that in a minute in the synod. Uh, and yeah, we're going to talk. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Gaudi was a prophet of sorts. Uh-huh. <laughs> Seen his day coming. But it was, yeah, it was a beautiful experience because you become one of these pieces of creation that lifts up your heart to God and hopefully reaches the heavens. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what the churches are meant to do. And that church all saints. does it beautifully. All saints today. That's right. That's, we're all about the that's saints. Our, that's our destiny. Did you all know that Gaudi was a really holy guy? I I, really? I heard no, that he had a he had a reputation for holiness. Yeah. yeah. So the like he could have been this the architect multimillionaire. Of, of, this, uh, yeah, the architect of Sagrada Familia and many other things in Barcelona. Sure. And mm. uh, the last twenty years, he dedicated just to building Sagrada Familia and all the money he personally got, put into the church. And he lived in this little studio right by the church. So he could continue the project wow. as far as he could. Mm-hmm. And then they asked him at the end of his life, like, "Oh, are you sad that you're not going to be able to see the finished product because it's still not finished? Mm-hmm. Right. Hopefully, the next couple of years." And he said, "Ah, oh, well, my client is very patient." Uh-huh. <laughs> speaking about God, who's uh, exactly this makes me think of the the dedication that Brother Andrew was just speaking about. You know, in being director of the the songs in the chapel, right? The, uh-huh. Another artist who even gave up all of his earnings to invest it back into the church. And yeah, right. that's yeah. impressive. Yeah, quite a dunque, but Eric's learning fast. Yeah, oh, he's, he's dunquaying it. Dunque. Use your talents for God. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think for me, my dunque of uh-huh. all this would be seeing these these men that have gone before us. Yeah. I have my own challenges, and sometimes I, or a lot of always, I pale in comparison to St. Ignatius and mm-hmm. people like Gaudi who just devote their lives very humbly to God. And there's a passage that we all know from the Old Testament that is just a cool story for a young kid when you hear it, David and Goliath, mm-hmm. that this little kid with his slingshot throws a rock and nails this giant and then cuts off his head. Uh, but there's something incredible about the faith of David because... Yeah. They give him armor, and he says, no, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to beat this guy with armor, and I'm not going to beat him with a sword. Uh I'm going to beat him by the force and by the strength of God. Mm -hmm. And that kind of faith, faith isn't something that we escape reality, but it helps us face reality. Yeah, that's a relief, because it's not our strength. It's God's strength. And he says... If God saved me from the jaws of a lion and the claws of a bear, he's going to save me from this giant. Yeah. And that's super cool. So That is, yeah. Whatever difficulties any of us face, we can remember that quote uh, from the book of Kings. Samuel? Samuel, yeah. I think. Samuel. Samuel, yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah, go to town on whatever Goliath might be mocking us and yeah. scaring us. And yeah, which is just peanuts compared to what God could do in our lives when we give yeah. everything over to him. And speaking of peanuts. That's right. Elephants love peanuts. And elephants are really big. And there was a huge event <laughs> in the church. There was a huge event in the church, the synod, right? Brother Eric, why don't you tell wow. us 
um, you know, just a brief, uh, quick overview. What is a synod and why did we talk about, why, why was there a synod on the Amazon region in South America? What's a synod? So uh, I think Pope Francis, when he traveled to, to South America, um, he, he saw that there was a real, um, a real need in the Amazon region of South America for, uh, for more priests, for more evangelization, uh-huh. because okay. it's, it's a tremendously uh, large um, area of square miles uh, yeah. of jungle and forest, and there's all these scattered communities that um, they have a very difficult time getting a priest to come out there to c- celebrate Mass. Yeah. Um, and so Pope Francis said, hey, what can we do? Um, how can we help? And we bring the church together for this problem. Um, and so he said, let's, let's have a synod of bishops, which means um, sort of like a, a walking together, a path together, um, so that the bishops can come together from these different countries, right? Uh, Brazil and Venezuela and Peru. So they can come together and talk about the problem and see what the Holy Spirit uh, might be inspiring. So, Okay. Can you tell us, how did you get involved? Because you're a theology student, right? You are, right. are you, you're not a bishop. Uh, I'm not a bishop. He's yet. not a bishop <laughs> yet. No, okay. Uh, that's correct. Studying for theology. Um, okay. So I was approached by Brother Maxime a few months ago. Ah, the famous uh, Brother Maxime. Yes, that's right. He is a Frenchman, and he has a contact oh, with oh, the oh. French Monsignor there in the Vatican who helps okay. to organize the Synod of Bishops. And he okay. said, hey, we need some help. We need some assistance, people to help you know, pass out papers, welcome the bishops, give directions, mm-hmm. be there. You'd be there and said, would you be interested? Three weeks in October. Does uh-huh. that have anything to do with your speaking multiple languages, like yeah. Spanish, Italian, mm-hmm. German? That has Green. to do with French. my speaking uh, English, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Monsignor there, he said, hey, we need a couple of seminarians who speak English and who speak French, uh, excuse me, who speak Spanish, so that English and Spanish. they can okay. help in the small group discussion. So okay. it's actually my fabled talent of English speaking, which brought me to the <laughs> That's great. S- I think your English is, the is pretty good. Yeah, it's it's improving, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it's, it up. It's, it's pretty, pretty fluid. It's adequate. Yeah. So what what did you do? Like you were there for three weeks. What was your what was your schedule like? So three weeks, um, and we would go every morning and every afternoon for the sessions um, there. And there were two different ways that the synod took place. One was when there's um, the plenary session, so to speak, when all the bishops got together and there were formal um, contributions. Right, someone would stand up and speak for a couple minutes about what they see. Um, as the main problems in the Amazon and how we might fix it, right? That was one way that the synod took place. The other way is when they divided up into small groups okay. by languages, Spanish or English. Mm-hmm. And then they can really you know, take the gloves off and yeah. uh, really say what they think. Combat. And that's right, in the most charitable sense of the term. <laughs> that's right. Holy Spirit, I'm sure, is very present. So yeah. Yeah, it was a three-week um, process, like we said, and a couple days off for the um, a special commission to help prepare a, a document, right? As a group of bishops, what do we want to say about the Amazon? Uh-huh. So you were there from what? You went there in the early morning. You came back to the house in the evening. What was it? What was it? Basically, yeah. The whole day. So okay. I had to have mass early here in the morning and quick breakfast, and then off on the train. Came back um, to our house here for lunch, and then was gone the whole afternoon. Um, and so it was a really special experience because when you're there in the hall. Um, you have bishops from all over the place, cardinals, and the pope himself, and he's right there. Wait, is it you... true that you met Pope Francis? Oh, you mean Pope Francis? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we go way back. He and Frank, you know, Bergoglio, way back. Yeah, <laughs> Bergoglio, exactly. Yeah, so I had a, a few different encounters with him. Actually, I had the... Um, a the few l- different encounters, people. <laughs> Let's underline that. Brother Eric had a few different That's, encounters with true. the Vicar of Christ. It's true, it's true. And the photos to back it up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which we will, we will publish. Yeah, we're going to post those on our TGIFF. Absolutely. TGIFF oh, great. page, That's if right. that's okay with Brother Eric. Yeah, Good, yeah, yeah. yes. 
Yes. And as oratore romano. So I had the luck to be with another priest uh, in charge of the head table. This is the Pope, um, Cardinal Baldiceri, who was the secretary general, general secretary of the synod, and then some of the main other um, ecclesiastics involved in in preparing the synod. And so I would help bring his, uh, help uh, prepare the table, bringing their folders and making sure that Pope Francis had the documents that he needed. And Uh one time he said, hey, come here, can you get me an envelope so I can put these things in this envelope and take them back to my place? I was like, sure. So I brought him an envelope. So things like that. Uh uh And he also told me that he also gave you a special blessing one day, right? That's, yeah, correct. Uh, So the last week of the Synod, um, I was going to have my birthday. Um, And unfortunately, my birthday was... um, the, ses- the synod was out on vacation, right? So, I, so a couple of days beforehand, I approached the Holy Father and said, Holy Father, I was speaking in Spanish since we speak some Spanish and he speaks Spanish. So I said, Holy Father, I'm going to turn 30 this week. Could I have your blessing? So I kind of leaned over the table and he, and he put out his hand and made a sign of the cross on my forehead with his wow. thumb. And he said, like, uh, to the first 30 years. Uh-huh. His blessing ah, beautiful. Wow. So That's that was, awesome. That's so cool. So I'm not going to forget. It's yeah. weird. Maybe this might be a tougher question. But I think there's been a lot of controversy with the Synod. Yeah. And maybe we don't have to get into all the different themes of the Vidi Probati yeah, and or, the diaconesses. Or all the headlines. The, all the headlines and that, the right. critiques and everything. But you being there behind the scenes is very special. That's why we, yeah. we wanted you to tell mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. about sure. what was that experience like? Because there's a lot of people praying during a Synod. So I imagine... The whole church yes. is praying, yes. yes. There's like mm-hmm. some sort of... And you have to see the Holy Spirit at work maybe or just... See, perceive something in the conversation of the bishops. Yeah, I, re- like I really think the Holy Spirit was at work. Um, and sometimes it was comical for me to um, end my day at the Synod and kind of pull out my phone and look at the headlines and and see what people from the outside thought was important. Like, oh, this person said this crazy thing. And it's like, well, I didn't hear much of that. Mostly what I saw was oh, um, the bishops really being very sincere, putting all their problems on the table and, and trying to arrive to a sort of consensus um, about the, the problems in the Amazon, both the church there, the evangelization, and also the ecological issues there of, of um, sometimes the mining projects or the forestry projects that really don't respect the local populations. Hmm. And so this was also really an opportunity for me personally to kind of reflect on these themes. You know, um, mm-hmm. being here in Europe, you don't think about it too much, but it was it was an opportunity to say, okay, well, the earth, you know, really is our home, and um, how can we give God glory by the way we treat the earth, right? That was yeah. also a really important theme. Um, and wow. I felt like most of the bishops were um, very respectful, very cordial, uh, of course. And in fact, many friendships being formed and uh, mm-hmm. very positive, my experience. And you were also part of a small group, right, that would meet with a certain regularity, I guess? Correct, yeah. I think there were two or three sessions of about two days each within the three weeks where we broke down into groups, right? And that's where my English uh, came in handy. Good, yeah. So I, I had a very simple job, um, which was to take uh, minutes of the session, you know, write uh, 10.30 opening prayer, 10.32, Cardinal Gracious says this contribution, you know, and then at 11.05, we decided to divide into groups by theme. So I was, I was just recording kind of what was happening, okay. uh, and that will be filed away and maybe in the secret Vatican archives. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Wow. Your name be on that? That's right. My name. Are you now in the Vatican Archives? Could be on. Wow. The, I don't For the Eric is shortlisted to be a bishop. Be next, you'll be the next Dan <laughs> Brown movie, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my group was especially interesting because because of the fact that it was an English speaking group, it meant that it was the bishops and cardinals who were not really from the Amazon zone. Um, uh, it yeah. meant the bishops from Europe, from Asia, from Africa, and from the United States. So okay. we were a very international group. Um, 
seven bishops and seven cardinals. So a very high percentage of cardinals. Most of the synod fathers are bishops rather than cardinals. But we had a lot of cardinals. And then also lay people were involved, also women. Um, so it was a very... Some of the indigenous. Uh, some of the indigenous. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I laughed when I went up to the went to our little... Um, room upstairs where we have the chairs and stuff and tables because I saw the, the front page of the Observatorio Romano, the uh-huh. newspaper here in Vatic- Rome, Vatican's newspaper. had a, a big picture of Leah Casimiro who was in my group and she had her, her Amazonian headdress. Oh, really? And, yeah, <laughs> we got along pretty well. You she, knew her. That's yeah, really she cool. She speaks English well and everything. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, wow, Leah's on the front page of the newspaper. And I was like, uh-huh. so wow. it's, it's very different when you know the people and you understand what the Cardinal was trying to say, right? You can always take a small phrase out of context, but when you look them in the eyes and see what they're trying to do, that they're looking for the good of the people there, it mm-hmm. really changes your perspective. Did your perspective, Brother Eric, of um, Pope Francis and the way he leads the church, did that was that enriched somehow? Did that change before and after the synod? Because you saw him there um, in action. Um, right. Um, I already, I had a really already positive image of Pope Francis, and I've really been impressed by the things that he's written and. Um, being here in Rome, also you get to hear him speak his his homilies and things. So I already had a very positive um, mm-hmm. image of him, and that was just strengthened. That was confirmed. Um, and it's amazing to see. I mean, obviously, as the Pope, you have a few things to think about and a few concerns when you <laughs> wake up in the morning. A few. I can't imagine. And he's yeah. able to keep his like jovial his spirit, uh-huh. and and and, and uh-huh. he really lives what he said in his in his discourse and his encyclicals about don't let people rob you of the joy of the gospel. Uh-huh. Even as Pope, when you have everything in the world to worry about, all that pressure on wow. you and people. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, um, very deep in thought, um, he was very attentive in the different. Um, as other people were speaking, he was very attentive and even taking notes. And he didn't speak much during the synod. Usually, it would be like at the end of the day, he would just take the microphone for about three or four minutes and say, "These are the things that really struck me." Right, and he would kind of make some very insightful points and kind of bring some threads of thought together. Um, so, wow, a very balanced attack. The Supreme Pontiff, he was uh-huh. he's a good tactician, a good uh-huh. man of God, and so I was really encouraged. And I feel I have a lot of confidence also in in, in his prudence and in, in, in what he brings out of this mm-hmm. synod. And what's the next step then? What is what's going to happen? Right, so the, the, the very last stage of the Synod was that the Synod Fathers voted on a document that was prepared during the Synod, right? This is what we think as bishops, um, and here's, here's our document that we want to give to the Holy Father uh, in the hope that he'll take this and maybe use it to, to help the church in the Amazon. So, but going forward, the Holy Father himself, he, he told us that if he has enough time, he wants to write something before Christmas. Okay. He wants to write what's called the, the post-Synodal apostolic exhortation mm-hmm. um and there he kind of takes what the bishops have said and he takes his own thoughts uh, and also what the holy spirit inspires in him you know mm-hmm. as the as the head of the church and he gives his own sort of impulse for the church in the amazon and probably some some points of action as well mm-hmm. um and maybe encouraging the bishops to take action also more structurally things going forward would be that they they, they would like to establish um more like uh, more networks in the Amazon, networks of bishops between countries, right? Because mm. the Amazon what a great idea, yeah. Um, embraces more than one country. So how can we bring these bishops together, the ones from Peru and Brazil, and get them talking? So let's have let's have an inter, a pan Amazon sort of bishops network and and things like that. So mm-hmm. there are processes that are moving forward now uh, Would to take action. Let's just say hypothetically speaking, mm-hmm. because I, uh, Brother Robert Antonio, who is also at the synod. Mm-hmm told me that part of this document or something that is going to come out 
is that the Pope is going to be asking for congregations or or organizations or religious to send orders missionaries uh-huh. to the Amazon because there's a need. Oh wow! Uh-huh. Hypothetically speaking, if the Legionaries of Christ mm, decide, yeah. mm. what would you two say to that? Oh boy! Mm. If we if there was a message that sent out and said, "Brothers, we <sighs> are going to answer this call of the Pope, and we're going to." Consider sending some brothers to Amazon. Send us. Oh my gosh! Let us know if you're interested. I never thought. Mm-hmm. Of, I never even thought mm-hmm. about that. Wow. Uh, I'm gonna sort of take that question and do a judo move. Okay. <laughs> Turn it around. Um, I don't know if the Pope is gonna call for that directly, but it was very clear that he was concerned about the missionary zeal of young religious, because someone mentioned that one of the the synod participants mentioned that it seems like some of the young religious today they don't have the same missionary zeal as before. And that could be part of the problem. And the Pope said that he was very concerned about that. Um, he didn't say that he was going to, you know, every religious congregation must now give half of your people to the Amazon. <laughs> it wasn't so, like, mathematical. Yeah. But he said, we really got to do a gut check on our, our, our desire to evangelize, right? Yeah, yeah, we don't become religious and missionaries to live a comfortable life. And to look at our no. belly buttons. No. Right. That's right. Right. It's, it's about going out there. And if there's a need in the church... And Brother Robert said that my first thing was, well, yeah, if there's a need in the church, right. of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And, and they brought out in the Synod, too, that a priest, um, you're not only for your diocese, a priest is for the church, right? So that's tr- yeah, all of us, that's in true. a way, need to be ready, and especially as missionaries, as religious, we need to be ready to go where the church needs us, right? Yeah. And in the 21st century, there's still people, I always yeah. think, oh, the Thousands of years ago, like that Isaac was, Jokes in right, yeah, yeah, North yeah. America. But today it's all different, right? Yeah, yeah. but no, uh-huh. there's still people that yeah. haven't heard the gospel, or at least haven't heard it, maybe in all of its glory. And mm-hmm. with God's grace, maybe we can, you know, we could, we could do that. I was like, in my second half of my trip with my parents was in England, and I, I mentioned last podcast I would talk about this. So just the Beddingfield Castle. So uh, my, yeah, my mom's maiden name is Beddingfield. We went to this castle. Uh, it's a museum now, but part of the castle there still lives the Beddingfield family. Uh-huh. So the 11th baronet, Henry Beddingfield, <laughs> lives in the castle with his wife. Uh-huh. They have a son who's a monk who was just sent to Africa. So speaking of oh, okay. young uh, religious, you know, being having yeah. that missionary wow. zeal, I okay. thought it was beautiful. Right. Uh, he's from a noble family in just outside of London, and he's willing to uh, go to... He's a Benedictine now in, in Africa. Mm. But I was very honored to be able to climb into a priest hole. Oh, and wow. so yeah. A priest hole is where the like families during the 300 years of persecution from 1500s to 1800s, yeah. uh, it was illegal to celebrate Catholic masses and to celebrate your Catholic faith publicly, and uh, the Catholics had to pay huge fees to the mm-hmm. Church of England government to remain Catholic, mm-hmm. to not convert. And so the Beddingfield family has stayed Catholic all this time, mm-hmm. and there's a priest hole in the castle. Where, where, they, where they would hide priests. Yeah, and they found a rosary in there, and they found other things that say it's very likely that in that same hole there were priests risking their lives to bring the faith to those scattered Catholic families who had, had wow. remained faithful to Rome and to the Pope during, uh, wow. yeah, that whole controversy. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's very inspiring. And I think, yeah, we need to all pray, religious, non-religious, lay people, everyone, yeah. to do I, that gut check. Like you said, the Pope is mm-hmm. yeah. brought up that, Am I being generous, or am I kind of holding back? Yeah, we need so that I, missionary zeal. We need we need a, we need a Pentecost in the church. We can't be afraid. Yeah. Can't be afraid. We have to, and we have to. We have, it's, a, it's a grace. It's a grace not to be afraid, because there because the world is it's a hard place. It's hard. There's a lot of challenges, but but he he gives us that that impulse, and it'll be exciting to see what Pope Francis uh, decides and tells us. I think absolutely. I think um, I'm aware, and we're all aware of. There's you know, it's um, all the coverage of the synod 
you know, there's, there's things that happen that, are, that can frustrate us, that, are con that can confuse us, um, and I share those concerns. But one thing that I'm just, I'm sure of is that on this rock, Jesus built his church. And so I, I, I just have so much faith that the Holy Spirit is guiding um, Pope Francis, which doesn't mean that, you know, Pope Francis can't, you know, make a mistake here and there. We're all human. But, I'm, but I have a lot of faith that, that he's guiding the process. And right, yeah. whatever happens in the end is going to be for the good of the church. And I need to be the first one to ask myself, well, if my perspective on something is, um, is, needs to be changed, what, I need to, I, before me you know, getting on my throne and saying, oh, I, you're, Holy Father, you're wrong. You know, yeah, I, need, I know I, better. I, and, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, need to, I need to first uh, pray and, say, and ask for the Holy Spirit to, to guide me. Um, because maybe I need to learn something, you know. So, I, so we need to, we need to, I think we need to, Amen. we need to pray for the Pope. That's right. And just what our um, one of our professors this past week uh, in class said, and I'd heard it before, but it always it's helped me that whenever there's some <laughs> ambiguity in something that the Pope writes, you don't immediately think the worst, but in fact, it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. You take it and interpret it uh, along with the tradition of the Church. So, what has the Church been teaching these two thousand years? Yeah, and you don't. Okay, we'll consider the opposite. No, the Pope's trying to change this and damage this. And no, mm -hmm. the, what he's saying is in line with the church because he's the Pope and he's not going right. to lead us astray. So Yeah, he's our shepherd. To really see him as a father, you know, the Holy Father, that's what we call him. So. And brother, you experienced that personally. Yeah. That's yeah, so no, cool. He, I hope I get to meet him one day. Can he give me that blessing, oh for example, and you feel uh -huh. like... Uh-huh. Wow, that's so special, brother Makes Eric. you feel pretty good. That's so... Have you, so you, brother Eric, your brother Luke, you've met the Pope too. I also met him, but... Wow. We're coming to the end of this podcast, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. folks, next time... We'll save that experience for next time. Yeah, we'll talk about that Hopefully experience. I will have met the Pope by next time. <laughs> I, st I still haven't met him. I still haven't met him. So right, we'll, we'll you guys have connections. We'll so, so. And uh, yeah, just with everything we've been saying, do not forget the Dunque hermeneutic. So don't That's just right. do... Dunque it. So in everything you're doing in your life... Extract uh, some sort of lesson out of it. And that, what helps is to do a 10-minute gut check every day. Yeah. Right? Like a conscience exam, gut yeah. check. I that's what like we do. Check. We do it at the, be at the at midday and at the end. Like, what's what's God telling me today? Yeah. So that helps to, to really dunque in your life. Dunque it. That's so don't right. just do. Dunque it. And next next episode, we'll be bringing uh, whatever, the, some of the um, aftermath of the what we just spoke about. See what, what the, what's going to come out in the church because all these exciting things happening in Rome. That's right. Yeah. In November, we have Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah.